0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Mercy Talk podcast from Mercy Multiplied, where we are passionate about empowering you with biblical principles for growing in mental, emotional, and spiritual health, and equipping you to share those principles with others. I'm Melanie Wise, and joining me on this episode is Dr. Brooke Keels and a new guest to Mercy Talk, who you all will be hearing more from in the days to come. It is our church strategy advisor, Marshall Gallagher. Marshall is the lead pastor of Hope Community Church here in Nashville, and he is a native Nashvillian, which is actually really rare around here. Uh, we don't have many of those, but. Marshall received his Master of Divinity from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, uh, which is just north of Boston, and has been a part of many different ministry settings. Uh, In his role with us at Mercy, he is just basically giving us a lot of regular insight and strategy on how to best connect with pastors and local churches, because we are really, really passionate about that. So today, Brooke and I are going to be talking to Marshall about why discussions around mental and emotional health are so tricky in the church. So I'm so glad that you've joined us today, and I hope that you enjoy the show. Well, hey, guys, I'm really, really excited about this conversation today. Marshall, this is your first time on Mercy Talk.
1: It is. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. Well,
1: Maiden Voyage.
0: All Mercy Talk Listeners, this is Marshall. Um and I have a feeling they're going to be hearing your voice on these podcasts more in the coming days. Um I'm really looking forward to the conversation today because this is something that I know the three of us together but also brooke and me marshall me other conversations we talk about this all the time so i know that we've all had conversations either us as a group or one-on-one we talk about this stuff all the time because anybody who's been around mercy or outreach or mercy talk for long knows how passionate we are about the local church and really just the body of christ as a whole kind of stepping into the call that has been placed on them, um, by the Lord, right? Like God has literally equipped and anointed his church, his body to play a really, really, really important role in, uh, bringing hope and healing and freedom into this world. And I feel like there's like all of these different extremes of churches trying to do too much and other churches just trying to pawn stuff off because they don't know their place. They don't know their fit. And we talked a lot, Marshall, I know you and I have talked a whole lot about just the whole mental health conversation in the church and how um, it's just tough. Like this is a tough, tricky thing. And um, Marshall, as a pastor, I think we are really interested just to get your insight into this just kind of give us like what what what's going on why is this so hard <laughs> you know and so I'm just really excited to dive into this topic today because we're where we need to have these conversations and pastors need to be having these conversations so I'm excited about kind of where we're headed today
2: yeah and so we're gonna ask you some questions and I'm sure I will not have any comments at all. Um, for anything, I have nothing to say. Uh, so don't worry about that. Um, no, but so I think it, honestly, yeah, not
1: terrified at all.
2: Yeah, no. <laughs> the, I think the first question I would ask is honestly like, how did um, you know, and how do you believe basically that we got here? Like, what's the background, the history of how the church has dealt with mental health, emotional health, um, and how is that still shaping our approach? And I say that too, as obviously. As a counselor, you know, and a clinician in mental health, you know, I have my opinion of how that happened, but I absolutely want to hear yours. And it's probably going to be more robust than mine, uh, frankly. So I'm excited to hear this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it'll certainly, even as a preacher, it'll be more, you know, verbose, uh, have lots more words, maybe Mm -hmm. not more. Three points, but uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, three points, a close. Okay, let's. Mm do that. No, uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I know from the pastoral world inside the church world. Um, you know, even from the very beginning, since the church started, like Paul talking to the Corinthians, like in a very metropolitan society, a lot of his letters, um, to the to the. Uh, churches in Corinth were about how to interact with the world around them, and how do they, uh, how do they live out their faith uh, in an intelligible way, but still in a in an orthodox, um, cohesive way. And so I think, you know, from the very beginning, there's been this question of how should the church um, interact with this world around us, and and of course back then it was you know Greek stoicism and philosophy. Uh, all the way to today, and like I'd say the biggest shift that's kind of where the turn happened was around modernity and, and uh, basically the idea that um, somewhere around the 1800s, the idea, um, consists, consensus in Western thought uh, went from a uh, kind of truth is revelatory. We We hear it from God. We know it from God. We get it. From the Bible, that's where truth comes from. Uh, it started shifting to more of kind of a empirical observation base uh, piece, um, which uh, you know is a uh, outworking of the Bible, actually of Christianity, like the whole thought about the scientific. Kind of revolution was the world is created by a good, loving, beautiful God. Everything is worth observing and everything is valuable. Um, As that kind of took off, uh, human observation, human reasoning, so the self and what we can observe started to be elevated. And so, it kind of, in that space, and this happens a lot, happens in lots of other issues. I think the church uh, Christian thought, uh, rather than seeing it as complementary, uh, treated that kind of thought, that modernity thought of uh, as a threat. And so I, I think kind of in that space, ev- all people are trying to kind of explain like, who are we? Why are we here? Um, when the Bible and revelation from God in, in kind of the populace was not, uh, it wasn't just a simple answer that everyone bought into of, oh, well, it's from God. Uh, there were other people, other very intelligent, smart, you know, scientific people saying, well, hey, there are these other reasons for things. It's not just from God. And so rather than dig into the conversation, um, it's almost like I'd say, you know, Christianity kind of got punched in the mouth, and we didn't get back up for a long time, um, or we just kind of buried our heads in the sand. And so, I mean, for like a hundred years, uh, Christians and Christian thought took a back seat to kind of the big boogeyman of scientific, observable thought. Um, and so, psychology came in and like entered in the space that that you know, uh, Christianity. Um, or at least like the church kind of stepped away from, and then it became the grid, I think, uh, of how, uh, you, you know, I guess specifically in America, Western thought of how a lot of the universities and everything started to define truth and reality and what was going on, even to where the point of like religion became like a psychological phenomenon to be observed and studied and measured, um. And so, you know, that's where you have like Bible colleges in the fifties, evangelicals, like let's have our own group, our own people, our own truth, our own science, our own. And, and again, I think uh, that approach, like how does that work out today? I think that approach is let's create kind of our own uh, cloister, kind of like our own commune, keep ourselves away from the world, safe from the world. It's all scary and different and challenging out there. And, um, yeah, uh, morally, ethically, politically, I mean, we even see it (laughs) and certainly don't want to, nor should we get into the whole, like mask vaccine, all that science and all that. But you do see a lot of this, it's kind of coming to a head in a lot of different areas in culture today. Um, because I think it's, it's thought of as a threat um, most of the time and something very scary. Um, and you have a lot of good institutions who are kind of trying to fight back, but like many other areas in our culture, uh, Christians are kind of playing catch up. Um, and I think that is the setting in which this whole kind of conversation of mental health, emotional health um, is coming from. So, there's a lot of really good thought out there but especially in our churches, I mean, we are, we're coming from a history of not engaging in uh, thoughts about, you know, uh, I, I think an integration of our person, you know, for 50 years. And so mm-hmm. these are pastors and people not thinking about it, you know, intentionally mm-hmm. for a long, long time. And it, it just it has a lot of kind of ripple effect, residual effect. so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of like the, how do we get there? Um, I don't know. I could expand on a lot of those, but that's kind of a flyover version.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you uh, brought it back down to normal people because <laughs> man, those first couple minutes, I was like, I don't know what most of those words mean. So, uh, <laughs> I think for all of that, I'm trying to learn how to like speak to, a. Uh, two-year-old these days and explain things. I tried to explain the Trinity to my two-year-old the other day, uh, because we were praying to Jesus and he didn't want to pray to Jesus. He wanted to pray to God. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah. So anyway, all this to say, uh, trying to explain really complex things to uh, a two-year-old, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to take what you just said and you tell me if I'm right. If I was to explain (laughs) this to maybe not a two-year-old, but a normal
1: human a being. six years. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so I think what Marshall just said was it all started with Paul being like, here's how you interact with the world. And it's really important that you know how to interact with the world. And then people got really smart and science took off and the church was like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And you're scary and you're a threat. So we're going back off. And then it got segregated science religion and that's where we are today yeah
1: yeah i I think that's pretty i think (laughs) that's pretty good and so you know a lot of people are realizing that now and the church oh gosh yeah oh gosh yeah yeah Yeah. because you know i think there's a lot of power dynamics rolling around obviously and uh and you know the church was in control of so much and then Mm -hmm. yeah i think Mm -hmm. we're seeing that in lots of different areas right now but um yeah for sure. Yeah, so that that's a good that's a good kind of summary piece.
0: I mean, and and you may have kind of already hit some of this, but like you know, what are some of the you know, just hesitations or the concerns whether it's like just theological concerns, so like that being just our belief about God and who God is or about the church and who the church is and who the church is supposed to be, what they're not supposed to be. Like, are there any other things that you would highlight just as we're kind of diagnosing the problem here on the front end um, of other hesitations or concerns that have kind of come into play in this conversation?
1: Yeah. So, and, and I think, you know, the, the approach that a lot of, uh, a lot of church traditions or branches, let's say have taken, some have said, you know what, these these scientists, the, these psychologists, they, they got something here. And they have, uh, I mean, very truly and admittedly shifted away from the Bible as being kind of the source origin of truth or God being the source origin of truth um, to, you know what, level playing field, let's just kind of take a buffet to come around um and so then you would have other traditions say this is exactly why we can't trust that kind of theology or that kind of thought that psychology is because it's going to remove God from the centerpiece of truth. Um, and so there, you know there are very real um, shifts of thought and theology uh, that you know it determines our thoughts about the Bible, it determines our thoughts about God, uh, depending on what tradition or. or kind of branch of Christianity that you come from, there's lots of different ways that this kind of gets, I don't know, meted out today. But um, yeah, so I think, you know, there's groups of people who uh, who want to keep God's word and God kind of at the center point. Um, and I think a lot of people are not really sure how to interact, like how to play with others. Um, and um, Brooke, you said the insecurity. I mean, it's kind of like if uh, I think the the less secure you are in knowing, you know, what is true, the more uh, anxious you're going to react mm-hmm. when someone maybe challenges that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't anything new. You talk about Paul, like that was the setting in Paul's day and There was no lack of confidence, certainly, in his voice. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, I would say there are some theological concerns, especially from a pastoral side. I mean, a lot of times um, what we see is people will grow up in the church. They'll find some psychological truth that really does resonate with them and that they didn't find growing up in youth group. Um, and so, you know, if you were in a youth group where it was primarily revolving around dodgeball, you get to college and you're like, you know what, that actually is speaking to my heart. Mm. And, and so at that moment, it's like, okay, this is resonating with me, this psychology in it, it seemingly And depending on who's talking about it, it seemingly has nothing to do or the Bible is a threat to that psychology. So I'm going to actually push that out and really adopt this thing that kind of connects with my heart. Mm -hmm. And and so, you you know, like I think a lot of pastors are, uh, yeah, fearful of those kind of things. And rather than engage, sometimes it, you know, it's easier for us as people to uh, create an enemy out of things that we don't really understand. Um, mm. so it, yeah, there are theological hesitations considerations. I mean, it can get really, really deep there, but, uh, and then tradition, like, so if a church tradition is built on, uh, a high, high trust of authority or a lack of questioning of authority and observation, you just do as you're told, um, and, and I even mean that in, uh, in a good way. I mean, you see in a lot of, um, you know, Eastern Asian cultures, there's like a high, high value of authority above you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in those traditions versus like a non-denominational American church tradition uh, where there'd be a low, low view of authority, um, those traditions are kind of maintained by their source of like what they think is right. So if it's like, Hey, we think music should look this way. Uh, Well, you're naturally going to look at music that's different and notice all the bad pieces and be like, you know what? Yeah, that doesn't make sense because then you can't do this. And, and you need to kind of reinforce your own tradition by that. And we all do Mm -hmm. this, I mean, Mm -hmm. based on restaurants we eat. So of course, church, like we're going to do that too. But so we need to find a lot of things that will corroborate our tradition. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to church pastors and people who they'll do that too. So if you've grown up non-denominational your whole life, uh, you either think it is the best thing that makes perfect sense, or you've kind of rejected it and you, you'll go to like, you know, a Anglican, very high liturgy church. It's very structured. It's the opposite of what you grew up in. Um, And, you know, you'll naturally have an affinity towards what you like and what reaffirms your tradition and kind of downplay the other areas of other traditions that are good. Um, And so when that comes to like psychology and thinking through mental and emotional health, if you come from a tradition that really didn't value uh, emotional or mental health or the whole person, even physical health too, um, naturally you're going to find reasons, theological ones even. Uh, that will reinforce and bolster mm-hmm. tradition, tradition. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to kind of step out of our traditions. I mean, we can't, like, there's this great phrase, even like, you know, the family background, generational patterns, like pastors have that, church traditions have that, denominations have that. Um, and there's this phrase where it's like, Jesus may live in your heart, but grandpa lives in your bones. And that's very true of like church traditions as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: um, it's just the same kind of thing that carries on, carries on, carries on generation after generation where all of a sudden, you know, psychology is evil.
0: hmm Which I think you mentioning – I'm always like – Sorry, our listeners probably get tired of me always taking it back to parenting, but I feel like that's my new world of trying to, I'm trying to figure stuff (laughs) out, you know? And I'm just thinking about like what, what potential damage we're doing to our children and to, you know, this generation of kids growing up in, you know, and going off to college. And if we have not taught them how, how science and psychology, as you said, can play, (laughs) with, um, the word of God and our belief in who he is and what is true, then they go off and they start learning all of these things that are new thoughts that actually do make sense, you know, because if God, if all truth is God's truth then it's going to make sense. Right. And so, and that throws them off. They're like, I I thought these things were at odds. So I apparently have to pick one and they're going to go with what, like you said, I think they're going to go with what feels true. Um, and seems right. And, and as if they have to be at odds and they can't actually be work together. So that just made me, man, that, that kind of struck a chord with me of realizing what damage we can be doing to this generation of children growing up. If we cannot learn how to have these conversations, I think that's a really, really good point.
1: Well, and and there's some 60 year olds who spent their whole yeah. life needing to have an enemy that is going to, you know, that's gonna ruin their faith, and that's science or psychology or mm-hmm. you know, something like that, to where they have some really messed up things going on and they overreact in weird scenarios all the time. I mean, y'all know church people, like you got church people everywhere, and it's like, hey, we just sat down to pray, but you kind of freaked out and and are physically like losing it getting angry at you know little old Betty who wanted to pray for you she just said the wrong theological word or something mm-hmm. yeah so you got you know people who are in, in who have grown up in the church they've just been told that all this stuff is an enemy out there don't listen to it don't trust it be careful and they're unwilling to take a look at yeah. some of those emotional wounds that they need to yeah. process um to to find healing and so it I, I think it impacts you know all the way up yeah. but you're right it is it it's kind of a yeah scary thought um as far as how do we how do we you know build the church up and equip young people and and all believers as well
2: i think it's also why most people think Christians are idiots because we, you know, traditionally will, I mean, and, and it, well, everything you're describing, you talk about tradition, but it's, it's the religion of it. Right. And it's the control. we can take it back to mm-hmm. like, you yeah. mentioned the Catholic church and like, don't worry, you don't need to read that Bible, you know, and it's the same thing. And if we, if we really think that, that God is that weak and that, that we can't read another thought And then develop our own thoughts and take, you know, take that back with him or read it through the lens of of who we know God to be. To me, that's just a demonstration. And I'll take this back to pastors. I'm going to be a big jerk about it, not to you directly. Um, You know, but the (laughs) church leaders have spent more time trying to control to make sure the tithe comes in Mm. or trying to control because they don't know what to do with it. And and they're worried somebody's going to get upset Right. Let's say the nice things. And, oh, Betty, I'm sorry, you know, that old man Craig got upset. I don't know why his name Craig. But, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) whatever, you know, And instead of actually leading and being like, it's okay, we don't have to be we don't have to be afraid of somebody else's thought, you know. And and I mean, I think it ties back to you saw people that were like terrified of talking about grace because they go, well, then everybody's going to go sin. I'm like, oh, so you don't know what mm-hmm. grace is because mm-hmm. that's not what it says. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, And so the fact that we can't even sit and you mentioned, you know, them wanting to hate something else. Well, it wasn't even just typically what I grew up with was not, you know, hating psychology and all of that. And of course, you know, my dad was a pastor and a psychologist, so I had a different experience than most. Um, but it was also let me make sure I hate the Baptist down the street. Or the church of christ or the charismatics yeah, yeah. or whatever else it is and that is from a really messed up spirit you know and so when you are known as not being thoughtful as not being intelligent because intelligence requires well look we can consider all of the things and i don't have to be afraid that i'm somehow going yeah, to be moved yeah. by it you know what i mean um or wisdom You know, in that, like if if all of a sudden we see people going to counseling and they're at least doing better than what we've been able to do with them in the church doesn't mean they're free. Right. Because because we know who sets people free. I'm not saying that. But if that's helping, you know, the idea that we wouldn't partner with those things and go, what if what if we offered this at the highest quality, at the most intentional, um, in the most intentional ways from a mental health perspective out of the heart of God? You know. Um, and so really my question is, what's wrong with all of you, uh, Marshall, all of you pastors, and why are you all so defensive <laughs> and protective and skeptical? Yeah. Um, you know,
1: and uh I'll leave you with that to answer. Tell us yeah, Marshall. No, I mean that's, <laughs> explain no, I, yourself. I, uh, yeah, the, I'm I, I think, you know, I think uh even that question it, it like tongue in cheek, but but really like I think pastors should, I mean, they are like, you know, in first Peter, it talks about, um, shepherding the flock of God, uh, and, um, that will be, you know, Hebrews, uh, 13 talks about how we'll be held accountable and the, like, these are the people God set under our care and, um, and then it's like, you know, not many of you should be teachers so because you'll be held at a stricter standard. And I'm like, I don't know what that standard is. I'm not quite <laughs> sure I want to figure that out. But, I mean, so a lot of the Bible do, does talk about the responsibility, I think, yeah. of
0: pastors. It's and a so, lot of – a it's a weight. It's
1: yes, a weight. yes, yeah. and it should be. I think it yeah. should be. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think a lot of – there may be a misconception. Maybe there is not. I think, uh, I think probably here in this little, you know, podcast room, there's not. But, um, pastors, just because we can preach, um, or just because we know theology does not make us healthy people. Mm. Um, it doesn't even make us deep believers in God's grace and, and mm-hmm. people walking in freedom with the gospel. And so, uh, I think one of the hardest parts <laughs> of pastoral ministry is walking the line of being a broken sinner in daily need of God's grace and trying to, uh, you know, not convince, but maybe endear people to follow Mm -hmm. you as you follow Christ. But like Paul said, knowing that he's the chief of sinners and it's like, I mean, Mm -hmm. I regularly have imposter syndrome where I'm like, who am I that anybody would listen to a word that I say? and I, I don't think that that has been even a safe thought, mm. but in the last 15 to 20 years, or it's been a rare one, I'll, I'll say. So the pastor was looked at as the, you know, uh, pinnacle of communal stability. Mm. And so mm-hmm. when you can't, when you can't be a sinner, you can't not know something. You can't, and, and so, you know, that personally, there's a lot of weight where people want me often to be a financial advisor, a counselor, mm-hmm. um, a media consultant, a, you know, it's like, it, like every single thing. I mean, this is from background tradition and, and certainly pastors have created this mess for ourselves, but when we're looked at to be the ultimate source of everything, every answer, every what should I do? Um, and I think every time when we do not point to Christ in those answers or with people seeking those answers and, and even being willing to disappoint them mm-hmm. in that moment and say, look, I, I don't have what you're looking for, but he does. Um, I think we set ourselves up for a weight that is impossible to carry. And so at, you know, did you years, say
0: Marshall, sorry, like, uh, yeah. because before you move on, did you say that? You feel like that mentality towards pastors or within pastors is shifting?
1: Uh, I think, I think it is. So, so I'm in a more like theologically conservative reform tradition, and we're known as the smart guys who are jerks, I think, by everybody else, right? We know the most and people don't want to be around us the most. Um, and, and it's a heavy capital T truth, not a lot of grace not a lot of Mm -hmm. spirit, right? Um, uh, And so, you know, in that tradition, um, there is, I think, a lot of, uh, there has been a shift, at least, that I've seen. And um, I think this is true of of some other denominational streams as well, that it's becoming okay again to be weak
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and
1: to be broken and to need Jesus as a pastor. And so you don't have the, um, there's a lot less suits, a lot yeah. less makeup, a lot less, you know, impressiveness in the pastorate because I think uh, people have observed the pastorate for you know seventy five years of at least evangelicalism and said, "Man, y'all are a bunch of frauds," hmm. and and I think we are never meant to be. I mean, what mm-hmm. who sounds strong, impressive, uh, you know, everything you see of Christ, it's not that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think there is a lot there, there is a generation of, I think, older pastors who are trying to help equip younger ones, um, kind of leading from weakness and leading Mm -hmm. from vulnerability. Uh, And I think, so I do think that there is some hope. There's like a glimmer of optimism, I think, um, which has, I, I mean, thankfully been brought about by good psychological study and thought and counseling. Because I think it kind of challenges us as pastors Mm -hmm. to say, hey, look, if you're saying you have all that people need Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden people don't want what you're offering, what's up? Is God the issue or -hmm. is there something we're not quite Mm -hmm. letting people access? So I think that's a lot of it. Please,
0: Lord, may that continue to shift because (laughs) I know that's not what we're talking about today, but I'm just like – Man, give me a pastor who is aware of his own stuff and his brokenness and his desperate need for Jesus. Like, give me that any day. Yeah. Over a pastor who is or is not aware of his own brokenness and trying to act like he's got, because in that case, you are a fraud. If you are, tra- yeah, you're trying you, to be Jesus. You're trying to be, to be this, yeah. yeah, this picture of perfection. And yeah, if people see you as a fraud, it's because you are. Are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm like if you can just go ahead and start leading from your weakness and vulnerability and honesty, no one can call you a fraud. You're like, no, I am a messed up human being with all mm-hmm. of you. I'm yeah. not trying to. I'm not trying to put on something different. So anyway, I know that's not where we're going, but
1: no, but that on. does that does connect. I mean, there's yeah. been there's been a, a long history of um, yeah, just expectations. I think for people, and it's still there. It's still massively there. I. I there is nowhere on earth I cannot be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, people apologize for cussing around me, no matter mm-hmm. if they've known me yeah. for thirty years and have heard, you know, in my Marshall, BC days, heard every bad word that could come out of a human's mouth. <laughs> and I'm like, "What are you? We went to high school together. You've heard me say those things." And they're like, "Yeah, sorry, sorry." Uh, or just strangers. <laughs> and so, like, it's people feel that weight, which I think mm-hmm. is okay. Yeah. Um, with expectation, but uh, I think it's up to us pastors to um, be confident in ourselves enough, and confident in the gospel enough, to um, to not need to be those things for everyone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and I think that's where the defensiveness, skepticism around mental health and emotional health. It's I and mean, there are some genuine theological concerns. There are some genuine. You know, like uh, like one of the bigger problems that I think uh, a lot of pastors face is a non-integration of church and faith and community life. And so, like the best possible thing that could happen is there's a good trusted counselor who will lead them to truth and, and biblical truth as well as like great psychological care for someone. And, that they would be pastored and be a part of a church community and be, you know, integrated into a lot of different areas. And I think a lot of the struggle that I have is people will go either or. They'll say, well, I didn't find help for my, you know, bipolar in the church. Therefore, I I need to step away from the church um, because they can't help me with this issue. Uh, Rather than kind of walking together arm in arm with, Mm -hmm. you know, good care and the church and things like that. So, um, there are some genuine concerns, I think, from the pastoral side, but uh, I think what's wrong with us is that I think we just want to do too much um, and we're letting our flesh kind of take over our approach
2: um to comment on that like from i mean what you're talking about is people kind of looking for the either or what's interesting to me is that actually in psychology what they have accepted is that someone's spiritual health is just as important but somehow in the church we haven't accepted that people's mental health is just as important and so you know now psychology Mm, and and all of that mental health world now they're obviously not talking about jesus but they're also not not talking about Jesus. And so, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's it's just very fascinating to me that I get more resistance from Christians or pastors, leaders, that sort of thing about people being a whole person than I do from the psychology world, um, you know, on that side, <laughs> like it's it's just. And so if that's something pastors believe, then that's a lie. It's just not true, you know, that they have to choose. Yeah. And, and and I don't because that's just not the message people are getting in counseling, right? No one is going to counseling, even if they're going to count. Let's just say they have a good counselor, which is that's a whole other discussion that we've had many times. But you've got a good counselor that has, n- you know, no faith in, in a Christian God, right? If they do their job well, the, the person they're counseling, the client should have no idea about their faith journey. So their job is to point out, you know, normal physical things, right, that they may have an understanding of neurology. And so, hey, you're not getting enough sleep or let's work on grounding, like these very, you know, things, none of which will set the person free. But what they're not going to do is tell the person not to be in community and not to grow their faith. Right. We have to. I have someone and I'm not functioning as a quote unquote Christian counselor and they come to me and they are, you know, in their Buddhist faith. Right. My job is not to convert them to my way of thinking. My job is to go. That is your that is your community. That is your spiritual journey. And how can that be healthy along with all of these other things happening? And that's what really ticks me off is that all of the people who don't have the creator of the universe as their inspiration are doing a better job than the church that's my problem and so and i know you know that like i'm not but i just want to say it here like the the fear and insecurity of that and the piece of is just but being able to talk about these things and when you have pastors get on stage and say like i encourage you right i am confident that we can walk with you while you're walking through what you need to, you know, and we have a referral source and like, you know, we have referral lists and like all of those things. And if you're already at a counselor, great. How can we work with you in that? You know what I mean? And, and I think just to make another point on that, my bigger concern is that we're going to watch all of these pastors fall over and over and over again until somehow we have zero authority as the church, and then maybe we'll be humble enough to actually do what God called us to do. And that's what I also don't want to happen. Um, You know, let's like see what's coming, you know, like ahead of all these pastors who don't have people around, who don't have accountability, who've tried to be, you know, a golden God. And then let's, let's catch it now, you know, and, and, and I know the Lord is moving. I know there are churches doing it really well you know and so i know, i know there's something happening right now but anytime you feel that big tension you know there and there is there's a tension and so anyway that's just kind of my thoughts added to what you said um but i would love to know too for again from your perspective you know what could the church do to like better their approach with all of this i mentioned a little bit of what what i think but i mean I'm not the one having to stand in the pulpit every Sunday either. So um, I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you don't want me. Yeah. So I, you know. Every Sunday.
2: (laughs) 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 No one does.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, yeah. So it's, it's interesting talking about the pulpit. Um, You know, it, like I, I, I bemoan the facts. I I think, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit works powerfully um, in the preached Word of God, and I believe that wholeheartedly. A lot of the time, though, I know that in you know thirty to forty-five minutes on Sundays, uh, once a week, does not compete with ten hours of YouTube. From midnight to 4 a.m., mm. you know, <clears throat> multiple times throughout the week of just random speakers, m- whether they're qualified or not, things like that. And so, uh, so I think a lot of people are like, "Why aren't pastors preaching about this?" It's it, it's tough because the same, I think, outcry is being made for every single um, cause that there possibly could be. Uh, so you know last summer um, with a, a lot of the George Floyd stuff it was why aren't pastors preaching about <clears> throat> racism throat> mm-hmm. and white supremacy every Sunday from the pulpit if you are not you are an evil pastor mm-hmm. and and then you know uh, suicide goes up so so why are pastors evil and not preaching about suicide every week and you just multiply that by 50 yeah. And then all of a sudden you got to talk about like what's going on in the Bible too. And you're like, I, I, you know, 52 <laughs> weeks
2: in a year. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. So, so you can even Sundays. list out all those things. And so it's a lot more complicated than like the pastor should preach on this. And I know that's not
2: what mm-hmm. y'all are saying.
1: Oh, um, no, um, I do think a lot saying. of it is. Uh, I, wanna,
2: I do want to say this, just interrupt. That's oh, yeah. What I'm okay. <laughs> I don't know that a pastor should preach about mental health ever, but I do think it's the spirit of. Yeah. Yeah of how they view it right like that is what leads what i get up and say on a sunday is one thing but the heart and the spirit with which i lead right meaning someone approaches me or my team and how we respond to, you know, you mentioned mm-hmm. bipolar, right? How we respond to those said, things. Yeah. 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 The culture you said. <clears throat> so I do. And I'm, yeah. I'm glad you addressed that because you're right. That's what most people think if someone preaches a sermon about it, that that somehow has anything to do with how they lead and it isn't. And this is such a nuanced, yeah. and what you're mentioning, the George Floyd and suicide, that is such a nuanced important thing that cannot be done well by <laughs> a 35 minute sermon ever. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And so, from a non-qualified person speaking about something, absolutely just right. you from. can, you can be broken before your church about those things. Right. But when you're talking about how we lead, when people are walking through suicide or racial issues or persecution or whatever that looks like, that is how you lead versus what you say in, in the pulpit. And so I know, you know, I wasn't saying that, but yes. I did want to clarify that, you know,
0: yeah,
1: that's Yeah. Fun. Yeah. well, and it is, it's something that I think uh, a lot of ways that churches and pastors can do is, um, is to uh, be okay with this whole topic themselves. I mean, it, it just, it has to start there because the little comments here and there, um, when you hear about somebody who is struggling with depression, um, I, I don't know if a congregant of mine, uh, if a young, let's say a 20 year old ghost's. Right. They just don't show up for the worship team and they're like, well, I'm depressed. I I don't know if they're depressed or not. I don't know if they're just, they stayed up too late. I don't, there's probably a lot of things going on. Right. And so, uh, what, what I can do in that moment is just to receive and love them where they are as Christ would and, and not have to say, oh, well that whole depression thing. And like those little comments are what really Build mm-hmm. the culture of how mental health is proud for. Right. So we don't necessarily even. I, I think churches don't need to have a, a mental health ministry and a seminar night and and so you can do things like that. Invite right. counselors to come speak. Invite people go have coffee with these counselors. Have people you refer to. Like I yeah, think every pastor should be setting should have the a stage list.
0: for those conversations.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there are some formal things sure. there, but I do think um, even like hey, read a book about. The Christianity, there's this great like five views, uh, psychology and Christianity, and even just take the time to figure out what you think about it. Um, I mean, listen to podcasts about things, things like that, or ask counselors, hey, what's your approach? Does it fit? If it doesn't, great, go ask another one that does kind of fit with your theological approach. Um, And that could be true for pastors, lay leaders, everybody. But I think it's just getting comfortable in the water Mm
0: -hmm. of this
1: conversation. And Mm -hmm. then two... Like go see a counselor, like pastors. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a standing every other week session with a counselor and, uh, and you know, it's, he's, he has said, which is incredibly helpful. This is the, this is probably one of the only safe rooms for you in all of your life. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's true. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I don't have to be something in there, um, but even talking about that stuff. So it's a little, even anecdotal things that I think make bigger, yeah, impact in the church than formal and things.
0: I love what you it's said formal. about this is not, I feel like we've just been like, you know, blasting pastors. and I, And I think I love what you said that this is not like what you just shared is not reserved for only people who are, have a title of pastor, even just people who have the title of lay leader or, you know, staff member. This is for every, I mean, when we're talking about the church needs to be better at engaging, we are not just talking about the formal leadership in the church. This is for believers. I think Mm -hmm. everything you just shared, like diving into these conversations, being aware of the words you say, um, being open to learning, listening to podcasts, reading the book, like engaging in this is for all of us. This is for every single one of us. And so I think I'm like thinking, you know, 95% 95% of the people who listen to this podcast are probably not on staff at a church. Yeah. Uh, I wish that were different. But for all of you listening that you're like, yeah, they should be doing this. No, you should be doing
1: this. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and, and if that insecurity pops up, like, hey, go talk to your pastor about, hey, I I, I really want to let the gospel secure my soul
0: mm-hmm. to where I'm
1: not trying to belittle somebody in their experience of the world, because I need to to rank myself a little bit higher. Like, that's a justification. That's if you're found in Christ issue. Yeah. And so, that's what I'd go all day is like, believing the gospel more lets you be free to listen to others and yeah. not be threatened by it. And I think that's a huge piece. Yeah, I think that's the— And I think that's what mm-hmm. pastors can offer.
2: Mm-hmm. That's the foundational piece, right? Like, if pastors— aside from any other conversation, if they offered, You can be rooted in the Lord and know Him in a way Mm -hmm. that any idea that comes your way can be looked at and examined. And we don't have to be Mm -hmm. afraid that we're somehow going to be swayed into the, you know, fiery pits of hell. Like, I don't (laughs) know. I'm like, God, there's nothing I've read in psychology. (laughs) The is going to
1: open up under our feet if we read. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I obviously have done a lot of not one. I haven't taken one Bible class, guys, but I really know Jesus like super well. And there is not one thing that has come across psychologically or otherwise that I've been like, well, maybe this whole Jesus thing is wrong. Not one time, because I know (laughs) him, I have a personal relationship with Mm -hmm. him. What I do is go help me make sense of this. Right. And there's a lot of things that Mm -hmm. happen in this world. I I deal with harder things because I know, you know what I mean? There's a lot of things that I go, Lord, you have to help me reconcile this stuff. Right. But there's never been one philosophy or way of thought that I have not been like, if it's wrong, I'm like, that's really wrong. (laughs) You know, and I'm okay with that. Or if it's like, oh, let me see, because 99 percent of the time I go, that's so good. Jesus said that like a long time ago. Like very rarely mm-hmm. is anything mm-hmm. good from psychology and mental health not something that the Lord has already said, and so when people get mm-hmm. kind of sideways about it, I'm like, oh, so you don't know your Bible, you don't you don't know what Jesus taught, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's your problem. That's not psychology's problem, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that, yeah. that to me, you just said that perfectly. If we drill all of that down, what what pastors and leaders and just Christians in general are here to do is to know the Lord and let that be the filter for everything. And there is not fear in that. I'm pretty sure that's also Mm -hmm. in the Bible, um, that fear Mm -hmm. doesn't come from Him, you know, last time I checked. So I think that is to me, the bigger root issue for for Christians, in my opinion.
0: I hope that we are even modeling this in what we do as an organization in what we do with our podcasts, what we do with our workshops, what we do. I mean, we are bringing, um, these worlds together. We're integrating these worlds. We're integrating psychology and science and brain development, all of these things with the word of God and the Holy spirit. And I mean, we've seen it just by the fruit of our own, you know, organization, like when those things are brought together, like there is nothing impossible. I mean, like just the, the things that can happen, um, are miraculous. And so we're very passionate about that. And we're like, man, what if like the church is kind of missing out on some really awesome stuff because they're so scared. Mm -hmm. Um, and so again, I think it's important that we just, point that out. Like this is, this is not, we're not just sitting here saying pastors, you guys need to get it right. We're talking to, we're talking to everybody. We're talking to the, the whole body of Christ. And so, um, Marshall, as we kind of sign off, um, is there, are there any final thoughts, final words? I mean, just even hitting on like, why, why does this matter? Why is this important?
1: Yeah. Uh, nothing, probably nothing of grand note, but I, <laughs> you know, I think it is like, a um, two pastors, which I think, I think, you know, maybe pastors hearing we need to do better is from pastors is helpful. And I think they do, but it, it comes it does it comes back to kind of where our uh, where our justification is found and if we can continue to come back to Christ, even if it's like, hey, we do need to do better. But even if we don't, we're still loved because of mm-hmm. Christ's work and because of God's, you know, view of us in Christ, not because of how well we nail this, which actually provides the freedom Mm -hmm. to do better. That's right. And so, so, um, yeah, it's something that pastors need to remember as much as the, you know, teenager who just got baptized. Like there is Mm -hmm. no, there is no like graduating from that simple reality.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even that truth goes for, all of us. <laughs> you know, if people listen to this and they're like, oh, man, there's one more thing I'm not doing good at and I need to be better at. And there's just grace abounds over all of this. Um, and, you know, God is still on the throne, even if mm-hmm. we jack things up every once in a while. <laughs> so <laughs> Um, well guys, this was a good conversation. I feel like this is something we could go on and on and on about, but, um, we hope that all of you listening, uh, enjoyed this conversation today. And as always, if the content in these podcasts have been helpful for you, um, we'd be so, so grateful if you would help us out by just rating this show, writing a review, wherever it is that you listen. And if you have any, thoughts or questions about what we've talked about today, which there may be a lot. I don't know. Um, but if you do, man, we we would love to hear those. We'd love to be in communication with you guys. It is not easy to just look at each other on the screen and not be able to see the faces of you guys who are listening. So please... Reach out to us. Uh, we have an email address. It's mercy talk at mercy multiplied.com. If anything, just email us and let us know ideas that you have for future podcasts. We love hearing from you guys. Um, and then just to find out more about Mercy Multiplied, you can head over to uh, mercymultiplied.com. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.